This episode is brought to you by Sierra Whiskey Co. They're the only company making underwear specifically designed for warfighters in the 2A community. Their undertack underwear with a quick release Ambi Fly makes it easy to unzip, flip wherever you're in full kit. <laughs> I guess that's so you can just whip it out and pee, fellas. No, either way, these things are good. The vent in the front is not uh, supposed to go to the back, fellas. It is for the front, and it does make it super easy when you got to take a piss in full kit. Guys, going over to sierrawhiskeyco.com that's s-i-e-r-r-a whiskeycode.com type in t-s-i-10 for 10% off anything they have secure your junk mission accomplished sierra whiskey co check them out hey guys jared here back with the simplify the chaos podcast we got uh shy ronnie over here on one side of the round table and steven nicks on the other side of the round table uh, Grumples is still laid down for his long winter's nap, so um, we'll have to catch him back here maybe on the next one or one after that. Plus, he's high risk, too, for this coronavirus. Yeah, we do have COVID going on, and due to his age, he's he's high risk. But he is here with us in uh, in spirit, right? I mean, his like – As far as we know. I don't. I don't ever really know what Mike's doing. I mean, you know, he comes and goes like a mist. He is. So, he is. He is like so, a mist. A, a lot like his mental capability. Comes and goes like a mist. <laughs> so we're gonna love try you. to love you, Mike. We're gonna try to get through this one right here. Um, and uh, today we're gonna actually be talking about building a training program of. Uh, you know, Mike and I have worked with a lot of different units, you know, both law enforcement and military. Uh, Shy Ronnie over here uh, has worked with us a lot on, on these as well, developing training programs uh, for uh, military and law enforcement uh, personnel. And then also a uh, good buddy of mine from SEAL Team, Zach Pascal. Uh, he hates it when I call him Pascal because his name's actually Pascal, but uh, I'm not going to ever stop saying Pascal. And uh, we, we've developed these different training programs so we're going to talk about how to do that maybe it works out for your unit uh for uh, your organization whether it be corporate could be a church organization um and and that'll segue or tie into a later podcast we're going to do on, on actual church security or school security kind of developing of uh, uh processes to help protect your 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 school and your church or whatever it is from from violent encounters while still maintaining uh, what a church and a school actually is, which is a, a place of worship and a place of learning. But before we do that, we're going to go ahead and open up with a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for this time together. We pray for anybody affected by uh, COVID-19 right now, we, You know, whether it's physically, economically. We just ask that you would uh, lift this, Lord Jesus. We ask that you would heal those affected by it. We ask that you would heal our economy and uh, let everything we do honor and glorify you. We love you, Lord Jesus. We praise you. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right, so developing training programs, training programs as it relates to tactical units, and I'll say tactical units kind of loosely because we're talking about law enforcement and military, you know, that the unit might not specifically be, you know, all tactical, but, you know, the two main things that we call on military and law enforcement to do, or at least that we think of, is to show up and crush bad guys with, uh, with guns. So I don't really care if you're, you know, school resource officer trying to uh, – to win the hearts and minds of the youth of America, the big thing is 
you know, what do you do if an active shooter comes in your school? That's kind of what we're talking about. We're building the training program off of that, not how to win somebody's heart or mind. Yeah. So I, I think just to start out, whenever um, you're trying to determine what your training program needs to look like, I think at first you need to determine what pillars your required tasks are built on built on so what am i going to be required to do and then what things do i need to do in my spare time or in my training time to get my skills up to the level that i can perform those required tasks whether it's marksmanship whether it's um you know on an administrative level whether it's on a medical level or it's you know just jumping from law enforcement to military to corporate world to any other type of thing i think that you first have to identify what you're required to do and then you have to identify the pillars that that is built on so what gets me to the point to where i'm most effective at accomplishing the task that i'm required to do and we did that in the earlier uh podcast at least what we do here at, at tsi the shooting institute which is mainly it's not it's not all we do but it's mainly uh shooting and tactics or techniques to better you know clear houses take down vehicles whatever for our military and law enforcement personnel or civilians who are you know looking at home protection and stuff like that um and i call them the seven fundamentals of cqb sai we call them seven fundamentals of cqb and that is uh you know starts with weapons number one is weapons how do you know we've got to be able to shoot in a, in a tactical world Think of a SWAT team. Think of most of your military units. Any of those guys we deal with, what is it? It's you know, primary and secondary. It's pistol and carbine, right? Uh, carbine's our primary weapon. Our pistol's our secondary weapon. Uh, for, for regular law enforcement, it's really just just pistol at that, that point in time. You might work with carbine a little bit. You might work with shotgun a little bit. I just worked with a couple guys on shotgun the other day doing a quick shotgun fam for them. Uh, but for the most part, it's just pistol. We've got to be good with our pistol. And the reason we say weapons first, you know, because there is a specific order that you need to go with these things. And each, mm-hmm. you know, the SEAL teams, uh, Ranger Battalion, uh, SF, who they all have pillars that fit their specific need. Uh, these things need to fit your specific need, and there really is an order of operations that has mm-hmm. to be assessed. So for us, it's weapons. We can fix a lot of problems if we show up and we can shoot right Mm -hmm. so when you get there it's not hairy you're alive and you're a horrible shot you know i mean we show up and we kill the bad guy we can fix a lot of other issues like hey i don't know how to clear a building i don't know how to take down a vehicle Mm -hmm. but you just smoked the guy that needed to be smoked well hey good you don't have to take down a vehicle you don't have Mm -hmm. to clear a building because we dealt with it early on you can also create a lot of issues if you don't know how to shoot i.e i show up and i'm a rock star at clearing this building during this active shooter uh, threat in this school, but I, I get in that room with the active shooter or I get to the end of the hallway, wherever it is, and I shoot and I miss. I shoot and I hit you know hostages, which we see this in law enforcement as you go start doing case studies. You see this happen in law enforcement uh, uh, regularly. I hate, to, I hate to say it, but regularly, hmm. where oftentimes they show up and they miss, and it doesn't matter how good you do everything else. If you show up and you miss, then everything else is irrelevant. So that's hmm. why we start with, with weapons I do a quick story and then let you tap into what you think. You know, you know, precision weapons versus versus combat, uh, and and then we'll, you know, tie it up and move to the next thing. But uh, good buddy of mine, Troy D. Hart, recently told me a story. He uh, he said uh, there was a guy that you know on this call out they went to and this guy's being shot at by law enforcement. He'd like you know pointed a gun at him whatever the guy shoots at him and they said hey why didn't you uh or i think he was robbing a store he had a gun he pointed it at the cop the cop shot him he said hey why didn't you 
why didn't you uh why you just you know run off because you know he wound up not getting shot but they wound up mm -hmm. arresting him and he was like man he said that that officer was shooting all around me he wasn't hitting me standing still i don't want to jump into one of his bullets you know so yeah. i mean that's a that's a bad thing that's a bad situation to be in mm -hmm. is if you if you deem something a threat that needs to be shot and you start hammering down it uh, according to Troy, it was 15 feet. Start hammering down at 15 feet, which isn't very far at all. It's you know whatever about mm -hmm. six yards, um, and uh, or I guess it would be five yards. It's Alabama math for y'all, yeah. right? Um, yeah, I mean you're, you're I mean you're at, you're at close range and you yeah. cannot hit the guy. That's a problem. So I mean, what's your what's your thoughts on that? My my thoughts on that specific incident is that goes all the way back to training at that point because you have to be able to you have to be able to have a natural reference point once you're interjected into that situation that you go back to so that you can apply everything that you've trained on up to that point. In my in my opinion, as far as that situation goes, there was no training reference at that point. The only reference it was was whip it out and just start putting rounds down range. That was that, that was the what are, you, what are you talking about? You said whip it out. Whip what out? I'm talking about his his uh his weapon. His weapon. Oh, okay. okay. Got, right, got you. We're trying oh, to use oh, we're trying to use terms like that too often. This is yeah, we're gonna, podcast. Yeah, we're gonna play. Hey, listen, man. I mean, I'm, we're not doing, we're not doing an I'm, advertisement I'm for tug tone <laughs> hey, or anything if, like if, that. If anybody doesn't need that talk, it's me. <laughs> you know, are you kidding me? I mean, every everyone we do, they have to. You you guys have to go back and do at least six to eight minutes of some type editing. of voice so editing there's, there's for Jared's. Editing. You know, I mean, that's what I'm saying, man. So we're the I'm I'm, I'm the I'm the least it out. yeah I'm the Jeez. least non-professional person on this podcast. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> I know that's for I know that for a fact. Um. But anyways, going back to the point that could actually help people that are listening to this and not some joke. Um, <laughs> is are you too intense? <laughs> I remember I remember us doing that, you know, one of those a while ago about intensity. His intensity are you too was, intense? Uh, I'm, right I'm focused right now. Like it's about to get it's about to get real. That's all. <laughs> anyways, anyways, in, in my opinion, that's going back to the guy having a poor training reference at that point because. You know, I mean, how, I mean, how many times do you see guys on a debrief or whatever? You know, they get into an officer-involved shooting, and they're like, "Man, I didn't even see my front sights, but oh, yeah. all, but all the rounds are where they were supposed to be." And so, in in my in my opinion, whenever you have a an example like the one I just said, that's a good training reference at that at that point. It's either a good training reference or he was really really close. <laughs> yeah, and I'll take either one as long as long as I get to go home to my family. Um, so now whenever we're talking about, you know, weapons, um, that is something that you're going to be required to do, whether you're military, whether you're law enforcement or whether you're, you know, on, on some type of civilian security or a church security team. And then you can further break that down. Whenever we're talking about weapons, we're talking about manipulation, weapons manipulation. We're talking about fundamental shooting. We're talking about precision shooting and we're talking about combat shooting. So that's the just for example, if I was having if I was like, hey, weapons is one of my main tasks, that is how I would break it down internally within that group. And then the the fundamental shooting, the precision shooting, uh, and the combat shooting would be further broken down into the tasks that I needed to accomplish to be successful in whatever situation I was in. And so when we do that, because uh, we do that in, in, in all of our, our training programs, uh, one of the things that, that we 
you know, put out is, hey, we got the seven fundamentals of marksmanship. We got sights, in particular sight picture, sight alignment, in that specific order. And then we got trigger. Those are the two things I need to be able to do to shoot well. So that's the fundamental. That's that's yeah. fundamental shooting, right? Yeah. Um, we've got to have that for precision in combat shooting. Just realize we can't shoot at all if we don't do those two things. If we don't have our sight situation figured out and if we don't have our trigger situation figured out. Yeah. Uh, a good example of that with a pistol is – most people can pretty much point, even line up their sights and shoot, but the problem they run into uh, oftentimes is they, they're they not able to, to maintain front sight focus with the, with the irons and what happens. They don't have a precise group. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they do pr maintain front sight focus. They know that. What do they have? They have trigger manipulation issues, which creates misses. So we, we work through that, and that's mm -hmm. that's fundamental uh, part of shooting. For... Uh, for rifle or for, you know, in particular carbine for your tactical units, one of the biggest things we see with, with sights is I either forget my sight over bore or I don't know what my zero is in the trajectory of my round. And we call that ballistic holdover, that sight over bore and the trajectory of the bullet, right? Mm -hmm. So we see it's more of a mechanical issue because most of the time we have a sight or even irons because uh, the rifle is, is really easy to shoot, especially out to 300 meters. One of the biggest issues we see is we either have an improper zero or we don't know what the trajectory of our round is doing. So that's fundamental piece. With the trigger side of it, when we see issues with the trigger, the, and everybody laughs at this and people say, no, 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 but y'all think about it. When you get under stress and you, you're shooting an AR-15 for any sort of speed or, you know, we've, we've got to start, you know, working this weapon system or even your sniper gun or your long-range gun, what is one of the biggest things that guys forget to do as they go to break a shot? If the gun's loaded, they forget to take it off safety. Right, so that's a weapons manipulation technique, but that's still part of the fundamentals. So that's that's the first part. That sights and trigger. Without sights and trigger, it doesn't matter how good I am at everything else. I'm never going to hit the target. If I forget to put it on fire when I pull the trigger, guess what's going to happen? Mm -hmm. It's not going to shoot. And I remember uh, watching as a little kid, uh, it was like Die Hard with a Vengeance or something like that. The guy comes in and he points to Samuel L. Jackson, points the MP5 at him, and 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 pulls the trigger, and he says, "Oh, you forgot the 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 safety catch." Yeah, and he puts it on takes it from him puts it on fire and shoots samuel jackson in the leg i think right yeah. so that's uh you know a good way to remember that safety is is the biggest rifle trigger issue i was just gonna say yippee ki yeah <laughs> yippee ki yay and then cut it right there again that's that's right. Right. yeah we're gonna have to put you in timeout corner like uh, we did shy ronnie yes. over here yes. that's right. um all right guys so i was talking to the uh founder the co-founder of sierra whiskey Co., john scubas and uh i was letting him know when he was asking me Hey man, what what type of uh, what type of skivvies do you like? What kind of underwear do you like? I said, bro, I'm gonna be honest. I don't wear underwear, right? Um, keeps the wife happy, keeps the boys happy. Uh, everything's nice and cool down there. It's a lot easier to take a piss when you're wearing kit. And uh, and he's like, dude, let me send you some stuff so you can try out. We've got some uh, we got some specialized underwear to go under kit. They're super silky. They're great. And guess what, fellas? The wife loves them. She's like, just walk around the house in those. So I feel like I'm a uh, I'm now an object of desire for my old lady. So, dudes, I would go ahead and encourage you to pick up a pair of these underwear, the Undertack underwear from Sierra Whiskey Co. What's also nice about them is they got a little pocket on them that you can put cuff key, razor blade, money in, uh, in the band. They've thought these things out well, and they're not bulky. Uh, they're nice and clean, and uh, again, the way the front flap works, it makes it super easy so you don't get the frank before the beans or something uh, when you go to zip up your pants. Guys, going over to sierrawhiskeyco.com, that's S-I-E-R-R-A, 
whiskeycode.com. Type in TSI10 for 10% off anything they have. Take a look at it. Sierra Whiskey Co. 10% off. Type in TSI10. Tell them TSI sent you. So the next thing. So you're talking about um, precision shooting. Uh, precision shooting, uh, we need, I hate to say, you know, grip and stance, but it is our grip and stance, which is the, the next two things in the fundamentals of marksmanship, right? Mm-hmm. All right, so we've knocked out our fundamentals. Now we need grip and stance for precision shooting because if I'm standing shooting offhand, I've got to hold the rifle a certain way, and you look at any long-range shooter, and these, these guys that shoot 500-meter military quals from the standard position, and they stand in very specific ways. They lock those rifles down into place. Uh, if, if we're out zero on our rifle, what do we do? We're going to put on a bipod, load the bipod, sandbag behind the stock. So it's very important, the stance and the stability created in the rifle, we get that from grip, and we get that from stance. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the combat shooting side, grip and stance helps me with, uh, one, keeping my body armor toward the target, right? And we need that in tactical environments we want our, our armor to catch rounds mm-hmm. two squaring up on the target because i might have multiple targets in a cqb scenario where i can more easily track what's going on around me and then uh you know the first part of that grip uh my grip has to be conducive to maintaining sights and trigger as quickly as possible because i'm generally going to have to shoot relatively quickly i want to get as many rounds on target as quickly and as accurately as possible mm-hmm. uh and then the final piece of that Breathing, right? Breathing is a key piece for precision and combat shooting, especially as we start to add speed, right? Precision shooting, I want to break that shot. I can't do that in combat shooting, so what's different about it? I just don't need to, you know, be breathing like I just ran a marathon um, and realize that if I am, that it's going to affect my ability to do the number one thing, the fundamentals of shooting sights and trigger. And then finally, we have uh, a follow-through, which allows us to do everything and know, hey, why did I hit so I can hit again? Mm-hmm. Why did I miss so I don't do it again? So follow-through actually takes us through all of those things, right? Um, and, you know, you can watch guys like Jerry Mikulek or Army Marksmanship Team on YouTube. And, you know, you come take any of our classes, we'll show you follow-through and get people to uh, to actually do follow through, and that's something that's going to separate you from being a bad shooter, a good shooter, a good shooter, a great shooter. But pre- talking about precision and combat shooting, here's my question: We understand that precision shooting. Hey, I'm getting a zero for my rifle. Maybe I'm uh, 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 checking. I was doing it with some sniper guns the other day, checking you know rounds, seeing how tight a group I could shoot with some factory rounds I had and with some different suppressors on the gun. So my question is, is what's the difference in precision shooting and combat shooting? Because if somebody's holding a hostage, somebody's got my little girl and they're holding her, mm-hmm. well, now I've got to make a precise shot. I've got to make a head shot because somebody's holding a hostage uh, versus what we commonly see combat shooting is, hey, just put some rounds somewhere on the body. Uh, that, that's one of the things I would say is a training failure that we've seen is people think that precision shooting is not combat shooting. No, no, they, they very much are the same. We might have to be precise in combat shooting. We just have to realize when that case is. And the last thing I'll say before uh, we, we let you cut in and then take, uh, take it down to the next thing. Uh, if you watch the video, the, the, I think it was, was it Dallas where the, the seven law enforcement officers were killed a couple years ago? Mm-hmm. All right, so there's a video of a guy, uh, apparently he's a former Ranger, man, he's getting after it, he's going, 
uh, toe-to-toe with this, this shooter. He winds up getting killed, but he's going toe-to-toe with this guy. He's got a pistol. This guy's got an AR-15. And one of the things they said that, that they found, I don't know how true it is, is that when he engaged the guy, he's engaging him in his body, and he's hitting him, mm-hmm. but, the, but the bad guy was wearing body armor, mm-hmm. right? So we see the need to transition right there from, you know, if I'm doing everything, my follow-through's good, and I'm doing it right, I'm going to realize, hey, I'm hitting this dude. Something's not happening. What do we got to do? We got to transition to a headshot. Because obviously body shots are not working, and that would be combat. I would say that's still combat shooting. Yeah. Yet now I have to go for a level of precision, a headshot versus versus a, a, a body shot. Now, obviously, we know that you know he uh, he lost that fight, and apparently he did. Uh, I mean, watching it on video, he he did a really good job. You know, pine a pillar and mm-hmm. doing everything he could. Yeah. You know, at the same time, uh, I would say as he's shooting. If he transitions to a headshot, or even if he was trying to, because we don't know what he was doing at that moment of time, he might have mm-hmm. been trying to. Would would that be a precision shot, and it still falls within the realm of combat shooting? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm in total agreement with you. There's only there's only a couple couple of different, um, I guess, scenarios that you would, that I would consider your you know you're in a gunfight, but at the same time you're not applying precision shooting techniques, and that would be you know if you were. Um, you know, in the military, the term is going to be suppressive fire, and then in law enforcement, the term is going to be directed fire, which means I'm trying to, I'm trying to put rounds in a particular area to keep someone's head down, so that some other, so that the people around me, some of my fellow coworkers or my fellow members of the military, can get to another point of advantage, so that we right, can so just pro- some some sort of so covering fire the fight. Yeah. But whatever you're talking about, I mean, I mean that's a hundred percent true because it's all. If you really think about it, in that combat, in that combat scenario, the rounds that you're putting down range, if I'm going in and I'm clearing a building, those all have to be precision rounds because we're we want to end a gunfight. Okay, I wanna I want my rounds to go down range and I want my rounds to count. And you've got a you've got several different, I guess, points on a person if that's what you're shooting that that those rounds have to hit in order to just straight end it. Um, you know, it's either going to be high in the chest, in the head, or down around in the pelvic girdle. But at the same time, those are all those are all precision points that you have to hit. Um, and so, like we're like we're talking about, the precision shooting trans translates to combat shooting very quickly. I mean, they're they're one and the same because right, we're trying to shoot, right. you know, specific points. Um, and it goes back to like you were talking about your level of training. Am I or my sights align? Am I manipulating the trigger in a fashion that um, affects the alignment of the of the sights the least amount as possible? And then everything else is supporting that. My grip, my stance, my breathing, all that stuff is supporting my ability to align the sights and manipulate the trigger. That's all that's doing, which is the two most important. Which helps increase which helps increase speed, and then that's knowing right. why I hit so I can continue, why I that's miss right. so I don't miss that's anymore. Right. And that's and and it, and it really is that simple to break down. And that really fixes a does fix a lot of problems. Well, moving on to the next thing because I know we want to try to keep these things within a reasonable amount of time. The next is uh would be almost for us would be like your mobility package, right? Mm-hmm. So what's my approach? Now, for some of you, if you're a civilian sitting at home and somebody breaks your house, you might not have an approach to get to the target because mm-hmm. you're on the X. You're there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it still means doesn't mean that you don't think about. What are you going to do in this moment, right? What am mm-hmm. I going to do? Where's my family going to go? Where are my kids staying at mm-hmm. on the civilian side? For law enforcement, military, it's it's really, hey, 
Am I driving up to this, you know, structure, to this vehicle, to this location? Am I am I patrolling up on foot? Mm-hmm. Am I doing a a, a, a halo or hey ho insertion in the military? Mm-hmm. Am I am I fast roping in? I'm on birds. What is it? You know, so so my approach is how do I get there? And under that we have two things, and it's just basically insert and containment. I've got to get into that 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 target area, whatever it is, whether it's a vehicle takedown, a person takedown, what, a, a, a structure, obviously. And then I've got to be able to contain it and own it because that's the first – I mean, that's really the first lick of the game, right? That's the uh, – that's kickoff right there. I've got to contain and own whatever it is that I'm that – I'm, taken down whether it be a structure a vehicle just an individual walking down a sidewalk like a snatch and grab Mm -hmm. i've got to be able to own that area as best as possible um so in case something else happens in case i get contacted um beyond the actual target itself is that um yeah that mobility package kind of yeah yeah so that's especially especially in law enforcement you have to realize the difference between law enforcement and military though in the in law enforcement whenever i'm approaching whatever it is i'm approaching whether it's a structure or a vehicle whatever i can get focused on that structure or that vehicle i can get more focused on the structure and vehicle because i'm not having to worry about outside threats is that right yep. so if if i'm if i'm overseas and i'm in my, and i'm in my in afghanistan and we're taking down a compound. I've got to worry about that compound. I've got to worry about everything surrounding the compound. Yeah. So I got to look inward and I got to look outward. But with law enforcement, you can take, you know, your list of uh, threats kind of dwindles down a little bit to a couple. Right. Of you worry less about the outward threat right. and you're more target focused. That's target right. So fixated. whenever you, so whenever you're talking about mobility and you're talking about an approach into a structure as far as law, law enforcement goes, I always break it down. Um, I always break that down, that process into into uh, three phase lines. So your approach is going to be phase line alpha, and then you'll get to a phase line bravo, which will be your breach, and then you'll get to a phase line charlie, which will be your clearance. But coming into the phase line alpha, you would have, um, you know, you always want to have more than one plan. I'll say that. So you want to have a primary approach, secondary approach, and a tertiary approach. And then breaking it down further from that, you want to have an actions on contact. So if I'm approaching and I get contacted, what are we going to do? And so that needs to be my plan going up as far as the law enforcement. Now, you can probably change that and dic- and dictate certain assets a little bit in other places as far as the military. On, on the military yeah, side, but, speak on that. but it, ulti- well, and it ultimately falls around in certain containment. You know, yep. what's my answer? I know we did, whether it be Afghanistan, Iraq, mm-hmm. wherever we do, you know, wild sets where we would land in a helo 10 clicks away, the snipers would patrol in, set yeah. up a perimeter around a certain area of town, and then, mm-hmm. you know, maybe the... Uh, assault force would come in three or four hours after we got said we'd give them a call you know yeah. and we would sit for three or four hours and then they would come in um you know and just basically land on the x and do whatever or we all might go in and land on the on the x and set up our perimeter as we get there you know yeah. hey we're just landing and we're taking this down mm-hmm. uh so i mean there's there's different ways to do it but all falls in the approach falls under that insert and containment what's our insert platform how are we getting there and then containing that area protecting from threats on the outside locking that target down so we can get whatever we need. And I think it even transitioned to law enforcement. I think, you know, the first traffic stop I did, one of the mm-hmm. things that uh, uh, Matt Glass from my FTO said was, hey, look, you know, you don't have to worry about too much stuff around here, but we're right here on 280. These cars come flying down here. They clip you with mirror here, whatever, go mm-hmm. to the other side of the vehicle. So kind of breaking it down as you just did, mm-hmm. my initial um, insert is pulling over this vehicle, and mm-hmm. now I'm getting out of – 
out of my, you know, deputy car or whatever, and I'm having to walk in a way that best protects me, not so much because I'm worried that, that there's going to be anybody drive by and shoot me or I'm not worried about Al-Qaeda mm. showing up and, you know, assaulting me from the other side of the road. I'm literally just trying to keep from accidentally being hit by a car. Yeah. Um, you know, so it, so it can transition out of that complete tactical mindset and just into any sort of any sort of way that we we think. But uh, okay, so so we've got got the approach. I don't want to get into the actual clearance of a structure mm-hmm. or the clearance of an area or a vehicle too much. Um, but right after that, we have uh, kind of our method, what we use. We're either moving direct to threat or room to room also known as space to space if i'm not inside a structure mm. um and then we got our tactics you know deliberate and dynamic mm. uh for those of y'all who you know know what we're talking about great for those of y'all who don't don't worry about it you can take class but those are those are two pillars that we have to to work with and they're completely different pillars but they also mm. interchange with each other quite yeah. a bit yeah and i'll say you know whenever you're talking about those different Whenever you're talking about those, uh, you know, different methods and different uh, tactics, you need to be able to transition from one into the other uh, as the situation dictates. So that's one of the things that that I've always noticed, especially in law enforcement training, is is you start out with a primary uh, method and a primary tactic, but then the situation will change and you have to transition into something else. And sometimes without a lot of training and without a lot of practice, that seems very difficult uh, for some people to do is to transition back and forth from those, from those things. Right. And I think the basic, biggest example we give is you're, you got an active shooter in a school or there's an active shooter somewhere you're, you're, you've got stimulus driving you there. So you're moving direct to threat to that position. And then all of a sudden you don't have stimulus anymore. What do you then have to start doing? You have to start clearing room, room or space to space, clearing everything, looking for them. So, um, that's how those things can flex. And then all of a sudden stimulus kicks up again. And what do you do? You start moving to, to where that stimulus is. Um, okay. And then, uh, number five on the, on the list, we have, uh, individual responsibilities. Okay. Of, and without going too much into those, one thing we like to say is, hey, there's no I in team, but there's a you and you suck. Yeah. Um, and it's your responsibility to be the best you that you possibly can be for the rest of your team. So if you're that guy or you're that girl who's literally uh, the team's having to carry all the time, then then you're that problem. All right. We won't go into the actual specifics of, again, structure clearance for that individual responsibility. But the biggest thing is your own individual training. Everything beforehand ultimately is really team or unit or, you know, it's related to, generally speaking, more than one person. Your individual responsibility now is just you and what you bring to the table for that team. And I would say that's one of the biggest uh, pillars that that we have to be careful and watch out for, especially with the military and law enforcement, because we live in a society that, you know, they're big on there's no iron team. Mm-hmm. You know, well, you're right, there is no iron team. But if you're a terrible person, it's not on your team to continue dragging you along and bringing you, bringing you up. If you're a mm-hmm. liability to your team, and I'm not talking about – you get shot in the flipping leg or you get shot in the face and you're still alive and they're trying to drag you and save you. I'm talking like everyday training. You're not out there training. You're not trying to get better. You're not trying to be the best you that you can be for the team that you've been selected for or put on. Then you probably don't need to be there because you're a hindrance to everybody. What's your thoughts on that? No, I'll I'll agree with you on that. And you have to remember that there's a lot of people that train to – 
there's a lot of people out there that train to a personal standard and their personal standard is not good enough for the situation that they're going to be placed in. So you have to train to the standard um, that's going to be required. That's going to be required of you. And I think that that right there is the biggest deal. There's a lot of people out there. I know several guys and I could go down um, a list that their personal, that their personal standard is 100% high enough for whatever situation they're going to be put in. But the problem is, is getting the rest of the individuals that you're going to be on that situation in that situation with up to that standard. And so and that really starts with honesty. It's you looking at yourself and saying, hey, if I put in the time and the effort to be the best that I can be, and then not only that, am I taking the people that maybe their personal standard isn't as high as mine and I'm bringing them up to that standard. I'm making them the best that, that I can be. And if you have – the last thing I'll, I'll say about that is if you have problem doing that with individuals, then you probably need to have a harder screening process. So oh yeah, that, so that yeah. so that way you you are 100 confident that the individuals that you're getting that their personal standard is high enough to where whatever situation y'all are placed in, you know that their that their that their training standard is going to meet what's required in that situation. That's right. Yeah, we and we see that with teams. We assess and we work with across the board, and and really what it starts out with exactly mm-hmm. what you just said. They don't. They're the standards for screening yeah. uh, isn't isn't hard enough off the start, right? Mm. Um, all right, so and then the next thing, and again, I know we did the, the seven fundamentals of CQB, close quarters battle, so rooms, understanding rooms, which we're not going to get into because that's irrelevant for this uh, discussion. But the final piece is reactionary-based movements. As I work with a team, I need to be prepared for ultimately the two things that fall on us, cover and move. Mm. I need to be prepared for reactionary-based movements. Hey, if my buddy goes left, I trust that he's got whatever's over there on the left side. Yeah. I need to go cover him on the right side or vice versa, mm-hmm. right? Again, working within a team as we're trying to figure out a way to build a good training program for a team. Is that something, you know, reactionary based? No, um, I would you know, I would I would say that the that the reactionary based movement, that's something that probably gets um little training time to be honest with you i think that's actually i don't even know if you made that up or not but i think that that's i mean that's a really really good it's always been there okay that's a really good training point is you always have whenever you're you know we'll just go back to referencing hey i'm practicing cqb well you'll go into a, a structure and you'll go through a threshold well hey the rule is the rule is is you're supposed to go uh path of least resistance right and they didn't go path of least resistance they they button hooked and it's okay. Time out. Time out. Why didn't you go past path of least resistance? No, the right answer is just is, let it happen. That's right. The right answer is let him button hook, and you note that and be like, I don't know what. I don't know why he button hooked there, but I'm gonna go get whatever he he didn't pick up. That's now, right. The other thing to the, the other thing is this: whenever you're training with people, you have to get to a point to where the people that you're training with, I'm trusting that if me and Jared go through a threshold and he does something that he doesn't normally do, that he has done that for a reason, not because he's gotten tunnel vision and his adrenaline is so high. I know that he just, he made a move for some reason and I've got to do whatever it is. It's not even that big of a deal. If we're, if we're standing cross cover on a door and, and I give Jared the, Hey, let's do it. Let's move in. And Jared button hooks on a cross cover of of a center fed room what am I going to do? I'm going to go in and immediately hit the corner he didn't he yeah. didn't get, and then we're going to talk about it later. It's not even that big of a deal. There is no timeout at that point. So that's a very good point. That's something that you need to be practicing on is, hey, 
if we're if we're going into a structure and this guy does something that he's not supposed to do, what am I going to do? Am I going to sit there and like huff and puff, or am I just going to pick up what he didn't pick up, which is the correct answer? Absolutely. Right. Well, guys, that's it. That's our kind of our pillars. Is is uh, Shirani over here started out with on uh, you know kind of how to build a, a training program, especially for your tactical team weapons if you're on a tactical team i mean that is the most important thing you can fix a lot of problems if you know how to shoot you can create a lot of problems no matter how good you are at everything else if you can't shoot our approach how are we getting there and what are we doing to own the situation before we you know start biting off more than we can chew uh then we got our methods and our our tactics which we didn't talk a whole lot about uh but we those are interchangeable and they need to be interchangeable and we need to be able to utilize them accordingly and then number five we have individual responsibilities and i would say if you have a uh of a unit that those are five good pillars to start with uh developing those platforms and the last piece we talked about reaction reactionary based movements that falls within everything because if you think about it and we flex between our methods and our tactics right we flex between the tactics of deliberate and dynamic we flex between direct to threat or room to room we flex between those what is that that's a reactionary based movement right so everything is kind of like follow through on the fundamentals of marksmanship follow through is just knowing what everything is reactionary based movements is just knowing okay I don't need to clear every single room anymore. I don't need to look in every single spot because I see the guy I need to get. He's right there. Mm-hmm. I need to get there as quickly and safely as possible. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of our way of being able to to filter through to see, okay, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? So I can mm-hmm. continue to do the right thing or fix something, kind of like what you were just talking about, if it's if it's wrong. And those would be good pillars to start with in, in building your, your tactical uh, tactical unit, whether it's a church security team, a school security team, you know, law enforcement of you know any anything within law enforcement or, or or military. All right, guys. Well, hey, thanks a lot for listening. Uh, join us for the next uh, next podcast. We'll be talking about church security teams and school security teams, uh, and then uh, subscribe, follow us on Facebook and uh, Instagram, and uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs>